You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Thank you for joining me today on the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the mystery of the church, and this element of our teaching really focuses on a new mystery. So here I want to turn you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12, 13, and 14. And as we go to this, I want to uh, share with you how that There were some in the church in the early days who did not believe that there was a resurrection. That's fascinating, isn't it? That you could be in the church and not believe in the resurrection. Well, listen to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Now, Christ is preached that he has not been raised from the dead. There were some actually who did that. How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. In other words... If there is no general resurrection of the dead, especially the righteous dead, then Jesus didn't rise. That was the whole purpose of Jesus rising. Jesus didn't die for himself, and he didn't rise for himself. He did not go back to heaven for himself to be seated at the right hand of God. What's the big deal? He was there before. Why did he need to come to earth, do all the things that he did, suffer in the way that he did, just to go back to assume the same place that he had before? Well, I'll tell you why. He did it because he wasn't alone. He was carrying us with him. He died for us, was raised for us, and then he carried us to the right hand of God and seated us there with him. He did it for us. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Listen, the linchpin of our faith in God is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death has to be dealt with. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 26. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Listen, you can go to a hundred Christian funerals, a hundred of them, and I can promise you in at least 90, they will portray death as though it is part of God, that God's plan is death, that somehow God's behind it all. It is a rare thing for you to hear a preacher at a funeral say that death is an enemy, that it is not the friend of mankind. And we hate death. And although we all will go the way of death if Jesus should tarry before we reach a particular age or circumstance, we still see that God hates death. It is not our friend. It is not something that he wants us to go through. I think that there is an amazing story to show God's attitude toward death. To me, it's the very best story in all of the New Testament about uh, how God thinks about death. And it's found in the Gospel of John, and it's in the 11th chapter, and it has to do with Lazarus. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus came to this village 
uh, called Bethany, where Mary and Martha lived. Their kid brother, Lazarus, died. And I know that Lazarus was the kid brother by seeing the behavior of the two sisters in Lazarus. Lazarus is definitely the least influential member of the group. He's the baby of the family. The one who takes all the authority in the family, who's running the show, is Martha. She's the oldest child, and the middle child is Mary. I can tell you that just by observing people. Uh, verse 21, uh, John 11, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother shall rise again. Now he didn't say today. He said he's going to rise again. Martha says to him, and this is typical, uh, Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And, 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 and that's right. It, it's true that he's going to rise again at the last day on the resurrection when God raises the righteous dead. But Jesus had something different in mind. And he said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now listen, this is what he said. He said, Martha, the resurrection is a person. In other words, the resurrection is going to happen because of me. I have been given all power from the Father to raise the dead. So the resurrection is not a date on a calendar. It's not coming just because there's a date marked for it on a calendar. It is coming because I show up. And he said, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, Jesus let her know that the resurrection is present right there. The resurrection that's going to raise all the people of the world is right there in that little town in their home where they are. And so the Bible says, and we read on down in verse 32, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was, when she saw him, she fell down at his feet. And she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. He would never have died. And, uh, and, and so the Bible says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, listen to this, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He groaned in the spirit, he was troubled. Pay attention to that word. It's going to show up again. We need to uh, keep reading. And, they and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. I don't think he was weeping just for Lazarus or just for Mary, just for Martha. I think he was weeping for the whole human race at what death had done to people. I, I think that's why Jesus wept at this place. I think just the, the full impact of how death had broken the hearts of people for centuries. I think that hit Jesus at this time. And then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Well, he loved him, but he loved everybody else too. And he loved other people who had died. And some of them said, could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Now, when they said that, they suggested that Jesus did not have the power to keep Lazarus alive. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning to himself or in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave, 
and a stone lay on it. He groaned the second time. This is amazing. The word groan here, according to W.E. Vizek, Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, it's a Greek word, in brim mau mai. In brim mai. And I'm sure I mispronounced that, but you get the point. It's a long compound Greek word. Here's what it means. It means to snort as a horse does from fear or from anger. It means to acknowledge the presence of a rival. Now, I was riding horses years ago with my youngest daughter, Sally. We were out at Dry Gulch, USA. Our ranch manager was with me. We were on three different horses. We were all riding gallion, uh, uh, gallions. <laughs> geldings. I was trying to cross a gelding with a stallion. Nearby, there was a pasture with a bunch of mares, and in the mare pasture, there was one big stallion. He was ours. And our trail came within 50, 60, 70 yards through the woods of where that pasture was. We could barely see it because of all the trees between us and our trail and where he was. But he knew we were there. And the minute that we got in the neighborhood, he ran to the fence and he began to snort and stomp his feet. That's exactly the word that's being described here. He detected the presence of a rival, and he let out a snort to answer our presence. That's what Jesus did. Jesus detected death, the person death. The Bible teaches that death is an event. It is a thing, but it is also a person. There would be no event of death if there was no angel of death. Death was Satan's idea to kill, to separate. This is what he wanted to do. So Jesus here groaned in spirit because he was about to have a war with death. And guess who prevailed? Jesus did. Now, he didn't go in and rebuke death and tell death, go do this or that or that. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he said that, the power of his words sent energy into the dead body of Lazarus, which had been dead for four days, and filled it with power and brought him back from the dead. Now, Lazarus didn't get a glorified body. In other words, as he finished his earthly life, he would have died again and been buried. So he's not still alive today, and he didn't go to heaven in a resurrected body. Uh, Lazarus uh, was physically raised back to resume his life. Paul gives us details to the defeat of death, to show us this defeat of death. And uh, I want to turn your attention now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and, and we're going to take a look at these amazing scriptures that talk to us about the power of, of the resurrection of Christ. And uh, we showed you earlier how that death is an enemy, and uh, now Paul says in verse 51, 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now when Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery, he says, What I'm telling you about this event, when Christ comes and when He deals with death first on behalf of His followers, when He does that on behalf of His followers, Jesus said, it's, or Paul said rather, it's a mystery. Nobody's talked about this before. The revelation of the rapture of the church was a mystery that had been hidden from the world. Everything about the church was a mystery. 
Jesus hinted at it. The prophets knew there was a resurrection, but they didn't comprehend the fullness of the plan, the resurrection of the righteous who believe in Christ, who are part of the church. Here's what he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, our bodies are temporarily dead. They're not dead forever, so he calls it sleep. But we shall all be changed, whether you are living when that time happens or whether you're dead. You're going to experience a change in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, we read this a lot at funerals, but it has to do. It has to do with the raising of the dead, and that's what's coming when he returns and lifts up the church. Now, listen to what the Apostle John has to say. This is 1 John chapter 3, and I love these words. Listen to what he says. He says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. Don't be surprised if you can't fit into the world comfortably. You're not supposed to. You will not ever feel fully at home here. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, what we're going to be is not fully obvious just yet. But we know that when He shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So this is what we're going to get out of this. All it takes for us to be resurrected from the dead like this is for us in this physical body to see Jesus glorified. That's it. When He shows up in our presence, glorified, when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Now what is that? It's multiplication. There is a multiplicand that is glorified, and now it is going to be multiplied into all of His body. In other words, it cannot be that Jesus is glorified, but we're not. It can't be. We are called the disciples who are multiplied. The number of the disciples were multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. What is multiplication? It's when one of a kind is multiplied over and over again to many, but they have to be like the first. If they're not like the first, then it's not a multiplication. So the multiplication is only so if we are like Him. And that's exactly what John said. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. That's multiplication. And you're going to see glorified bodies everywhere the minute we see Christ in His great glorified body. Oh, wow. What a great day. When that happens, death concerning us is over. We are finished with it. It has no bearing on us. Now listen to me. There are scriptures in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation especially, of people who are in heaven, spirit and soul, but do not yet have their bodies. And their bodies are still dead. And they are pleading with the Lord to get their bodies. 
and to be avenged. They want their bodies. They want, they want to be resurrected. God didn't create us to be marked eternally with death, where that we have spirit and soul that are forever separated from the body. God didn't create us that way. God created us to live in His presence, spirit, soul, and body. And that is what's going to happen. And this occasion where it comes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul calls it a mystery. And it's no wonder because most things associated with the church are mysteries. They are things that people did not understand. Even the prophets didn't see much of what God was going to do in the church. Well, we're not done. And so be sure you stay tuned tomorrow because we're going to take this into more detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. I'll meet you there tomorrow morning. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.